0: Hi, I'm Nancy Richards. Rainbow Nation, my Zulu Arse, is one man's reflection on his country, South Africa, following a journey right around it, looking deeply into its past, its people and its soul. Well, on a lecture visit to the University of Cape Town Summer School, I had the opportunity to speak to author Sikhle Kumalo about his travels and about himself.
1: My name is Sikli Kumada. I'm a travel writer and I've done a bit of traveling throughout the African continent. I've done the Cape to Cairo, I've done Central Africa, and I've done West Africa, and I've written three books based on those travels
0: nice to be able to call yourself a travel writer. How did that come about? I mean, the travel, the writing, how did that start?
1: Well, I I have to say that as a young boy, I've always been fascinated by this continent, and I always thought I'd like to explore this continent for myself. And that is where the issue of traveling comes from, is just to explore and get to experience this continent by myself. Um, As part of my 30th birthday celebration, I thought, let me do the Cape to Cairo. And uh, the travel bug hit me, and before I knew it, I was thinking and planning other adventures. And as far as the writing is concerned, I'd always had this thing that one day I need to write a book, but at the time, I wasn't sure what type of a book I was going to write, fiction, nonfiction. And uh, as part of the traveling, I thought, well, why don't I do one massive African trip and then compile a book based on my adventures? And as they say, the rest is history
0: travel writing has changed a lot over the years you know it's uh, there's something about the idea of travel writing It's very colonial you know people would go and they would explore and those sort of things before you set off let's stay with the cape to cairo before you set off what did you have in mind did you did you plan the journey did you uh, think i'm going to see this did you anticipate or did you just go with a blank canvas
1: well i did a basic, basic preliminary research. But uh, more than anything else, I just wanted to travel with an open mind. And uh, exactly as you rightfully say, uh, travel writing has always been seen from a colonial perspective. And for me, it was very important that as an African, I travel my very own continent and, and document it. And that is why after I wrote that, after I did that trip, I wrote a book titled uh, Dark Continent, My Black Arse, because I was effectively saying, look, we, we've got our challenges, there's no doubt about that, the lack of infrastructure, political instability in other regions, bureaucracy as well, but based on what I saw and based on what I, I experienced, I still do not think, I do not believe that this is a dark continent.
0: I want to come back to the whole issue of what you feel about this country and what you felt about other countries, but sure. just in terms of the practicalities. Did you, did you take a laptop? Did you record your journey? Did you sit down at the end of the day? Did you, how did how did the practicalities of it work? Your little notebook, how did it work?
1: Exactly. It was the notebook all the way. Um, sometimes it's very difficult and challenging from a logistical and practical perspective because uh, you are traveling all the time. And uh, at the end of the day, sometimes that are very challenging circumstances. You're in this backpackers, which is good, likely, or no infrastructure, but you still have to just jot down exactly what happened that day, and it's only once I was back at home that I was able now to transfer those handwritten notes into something more meaningful, but even then, that is still just the skeleton. You still have to put a lot of flesh into it, so a lot of work goes into not only just traveling, but also compiling the book based on your travels.
0: So essentially then you get, to, you get to do the trip twice because you come back with your notebooks and you, you go through it all again. Is that an opportunity to expand on what you did?
1: Exactly, and, and that's the beauty about uh, then writing a book because now you've got this handwritten notes but then you also have this thing now in your head. Now it's memory. So all those things that you experienced, even if they are not necessarily on the handwritten notes, because now you are reliving the trip, then you get to think about that guy that you sat next to or how comfortable was that ride from point A to point B. What did you experience there? What did you see there? Sometimes even the smell, if there was certain food that you had. Because it's also very important that the reader must be able to experience exactly what you experienced, and uh, you have to describe things in detail. So I get to do the trip more than once, because then I do it the first time, and then I write about it. But then also when I read the book, I also get now and then to relive the trip.
0: And the experience, not always a comfortable one, because I think you opted specifically to use public transport by whatever means it may be. Was that a a sort of challenge that you set yourself, and and how difficult was it?
1: Yeah, indeed, it was part of challenging myself. But also, on another level, I also wanted to experience what an average citizen of a particular country or countries tend to experience on a day-to-day basis. That is why I thought using public public transport will be the most effective way of, for me to experience what an uh, average citizen of a particular country experience. And as you rightfully say, very, very challenging at times because of a lack of infrastructure from the road infrastructure, rail infrastructure, but also the taxes that uh, one had to take. Sometimes I even ended up at the back of parkies or back of trucks, I had to get to the destination no matter what the means were.
0: I suppose it would have been difficult to anticipate too much what it was that you wanted to write about until you experienced it, but did you have in mind, you talk about wanting to be like with the average citizen of the country, political, social, did you find yourself questioning the people, did you speak to people specifically with conversations that would draw out from them how it was to be in their country?
1: Yes, um, part of the reason why I was doing it by public transport was exactly that, so that I could engage with as many people as possible. And uh, doing things with the public transport system gives you exactly that opportunity because you're on that taxi, you're on that bus, so you cannot help but engage with people. Um, it gave me a different perspective sometimes, you know, when, when you're talking to people uh, with regards to how they see things, depending on who you spoke to, other people will feel that, yeah, no, our country is fine as ease. Um, we don't necessarily, not that bad with regards to economic growth, economic development. So it just made you think with regards to the expectations that certain citizens might have, but just generally speaking, people always thought when they hear that I'm a South African, that uh, South Africa is a land of milk and honey. It's like, whoa, you're from South Africa. Yo, we hear you guys. It's very rich. Uh, Things are going well in your country. I would like to visit because we hear it's a country that that is doing exceptionally well from an economic perspective. That was a general thread when I introduced myself as a South African.
0: So it was a two-way communication. I mean, you had as much to tell them about South Africa as they had to tell you about their country. But it must have given you a very different perspective on your own country. Did you find yourself comparing what happens in their country to what happens in South Africa? Did, did it? give you fuel feel for thought about your own country?
1: Yes, indeed. You cannot help but compare. It's, it's a natural thing, I guess, that when you go to other countries you always think about your own country with regards to your performance on a variety of factors. As an example, when I was in, in Rwanda, I was pleasantly surprised with their uh, taxi industry and, and how they operate very, very professional compared to, to South African taxi industry. And it made me think that we as South Africans might think we are doing exceptional better on almost everything compared to the other African countries, but I can tell you now that there are certain things that we can learn from the other African countries as well.
0: One of the things that was very interesting is a black South African, you sort of assumed that it might be quite easy to get on with other black people in other countries, but not necessarily the case.
1: Yes, indeed, especially in, in West Africa, because of a language barrier, I, I find that as a result of that, I was not able to effectively engage with as many people as I would have loved, exactly because of that, because we just could not effectively communicate. I speak English, and they speak French, and that really just made it so, so difficult to effectively communicate and engage, and that made me think as well that, you know, sometimes you just take it for granted that you can relate to another person purely because he's black, but this issue of the language becomes a huge barrier, and it tends to affect the way you relate to one another.
0: I think you have a, an interesting story about the fact that, that not everybody knew what Zulu was.
1: Yes, I was quite surprised when I was doing the, the Cape to Cairo, uh, being, being a Zulu person myself, and I'd always known um, that it's a widely spoken language, at least in South Africa. And uh, when I got to Tanzania and the one guy spoke to me in Swahili, and I told him I don't understand it, and, and he, he asked me, so which language do you speak? And I said, Zulu. And his obvious question was, what is Zulu? I was taken aback because I uh, always was under the impression, I always thought, you know, people especially in the southeastern part of the African continent will at least know that there is a language called Zulu. And that puts into perspective with regards to the the way we think about the issue of language. And that is why linked to that, I have to say that I totally agree with the thinking that says we need to have Swahili as one of the languages which are uh, taught in South African schools. So that we as a country can also feel as an integral part of the of the region and one of the key ways that we can do that is when we have a regional language
0: very briefly challenges, SWOT, you know, sort of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I know there were there were obviously quite a lot of challenges. So so highlight, biggest highlights, biggest challenges. Start with the challenges.
1: Uh, as challenges, as I said, is the infrastructure or lack like thereof. So you'd be in this bus, and then it just keeps on breaking down. And it used to frustrate me. But then again, that's why I do trips like this. It's, it's for me to be able to let go and know that I cannot control everything. So from that perspective, very, very challenging. And also the issue of bureaucracy, that as a South African passport holder, it's very difficult sometimes to travel to another country, still have to wait for the visa. In fact, when I was doing West Africa, I wanted to finish up in Nigeria, but I had a problem getting the Nigerian visa. So again, very frustrating, very frustrating that here I am as an African, but I cannot uh, travel extensively as much as I would love to because of just bureaucracy. Highlights? Yeah, well, more than anything else, it's just the people, the warmth that they showed me. Um, they welcomed me wherever I went. Um, West Africa, Gori Island, definitely, it's some place that needs to be visited. Cape Coast in, in, in Ghana, without any shadow of doubt. The pyramids in Egypt, are apparently stunning, especially if you are into ancient civilization and history. Uh, Uganda, it's without any shadow of a doubt is the pearl of Africa, very beautiful, especially a town called uh, Ginger. Also fell in love with Rwanda. It's very small, but they don't call it a land of a thousand hills for nothing. Wherever you look, you can see the hills. And then, and then lastly, Namibia has always been beautiful, and it's just one of those countries that I can visit again and again and again.
0: Very lastly, any other travel writers that
1: have inspired you? Did you do a lot of reading of travel writers before you started yourself? I, I knew Paul Theroux before I did uh, the Cape Tukara. I knew he had done Cape Tukara, but he did it the other way around and wrote a book. I read the book before I traveled. It gave me a kind of perspective and a sense of what I can experience, but obviously our sense of appreciating of things is, is different, and uh, I don't want to dwell so much on what other travel writers as I've written. As I said earlier on, the key point for me was to experience this wonderful and exciting continent for myself, by myself.